It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. There are comedians and there are philosophers, and there are philosophic comedians and there are comedic philosophers. And then there is Rodney Norman, comedian, philosopher, Joyce Barker, friend, and the purveyor of positivity. And he's performing this Friday and Saturday, September 1st and 2nd at Wise Guys Comedy in the Arts District of downtown Las Vegas. For ticket information, go to wiseguyscomedy.com. And for everything about Rodney Norman, go to rodneynorman.com. And you can follow him on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And Rodney, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. As a philosopher, I I thought we'd start off very heavy. I'm not going to ask you the meaning of life. I thought I would ask you the meaning of death. Meaning of death? Yes. Well, just as a nice, bright opening. What do you think? (laughs) Let's get right to the meat of it. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. Let's start sucking some marrow out of some bone. Let's do it. Um... Well, you know, I, I, I like to point out to people that, uh, you know, in the, in the big cosmic realm of everything and that we are energy and the energy cannot be destroyed and that we're all connected when it really comes down to it. We're the ones who are dead. <laughs> we're the ones who are cut off from the source. So, so really when we die, we're just actually opening up to a greater reality. So. Or, or this is some sort of a, I, I think this is just some sort of weird game that we all agreed to play, uh, to be a part of. And, and, uh, so here we are. We're here to learn and grow and have some fun and, and, uh, learn something about ourselves and understand what's right and wrong. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a big glorious, uh, big glorious game that we're playing. Well, good. I wanted to get the heavy part out of the way so we could then have a lot of fun. I want to describe you to people who are not watching, but just listening. And some will get this reference and some will not, which is okay with me because it's my show. I describe you as a cross between Professor Erwin Corey and a young Gabby Hayes. (laughs) And so if people can get that in their mind, that's Rodney Norman. And so thank you for laughing. I'm not, I'm sure not everybody will get the references, but it's okay. It's fine. You're back. What's that? Uh, Erwin Corey was amazing. I love that guy. Yeah, you just you have that. And so was Gabby Hayes. Exactly. You so. just have that physical and some of that energy of a combined of both of those guys. Your your background is actually philosophy, isn't it? Before you got into comedy, or maybe you always were um, funny. Kind of. Uh, I, I was kind of involved in both throughout my whole life. I just uh, they were both big interests to me. So being able to combine them together has been the uh, you know. The dream of my of my existence. When did you decide Just to combine it? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because um, of Zoom, we're slightly delayed. Go ahead. Well, you know, probably one of the earliest things that really got me going to it was, you know, the stand-up philosopher in the old uh, history of the world, part one, uh, Mel Brooks. And, you know, he had a had a thing about a stand-up philosopher, and uh, it just it struck me as a kid. That, uh, you know, really comedians are philosophers and, 
you know, philosophers back in the day, back in, in the times of uh, Greece and, and such, they would set up in the, in, in the, in the square and uh, entertain people. I mean, that was really what they were was entertainers and people would, would sit and watch it. And to me, comedy is, is, is stand-up comedy is, is, is where you can uh, do that kind of thing, you know. I mean, in colleges, if you're up there uh, as a professor, you're you're specialized, and you're teaching the same subjects over and over again. You're talking to students who are interested in it already, which is one thing. But to get up in front of people who don't know that anything about philosophy, be able to teach them and and show them around and get them to understand that philosophy is not something to be scared of, that it's not this thing, my, even though most of it is just nonsense and garbage, <laughs> where it's just, it's just one philosopher trying to out-philosophize another philosopher, and, and most of it just gets mired in this language that they start creating themselves, and and most of it just becomes, you know, gobbledygook and nonsense. And I thought, why not take the gobbledygook and make a career out of it, <laughs> uh, making people laugh? And so, you, you know, the, I don't know if you've ever heard the thing that uh, uh, philosophers are just comedians with bad material. Right. <laughs> and I thought, hey, why not be a philosopher with great material? Exactly. So, so and, and it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And not everybody gets it, uh, which is great, makes it even funnier for me. Yes, but those who do, those who do, and they understand what's going on, boy, it's it's a lot of fun. When did you decide to, in essence, become a professional performer? Clearly, you have the background in academia, but you made a decision at some point about twenty five years ago to perform as that combination of everything I mentioned at the beginning. Well, like I said, I've I've always loved stand up comedy and mm -hmm. acting. I was going into acting, and my wife really just kept pushing me. She was like, you know, if you're a stand-up comic, nobody can tell you no. I mean, you're just, you're, you're just, you're on stage, you're doing your own thing, doing your own stuff. You, you're just, just do stand-up comedy. You're just, you have more control, you'll be happier. And so I thought, well, okay, why not? And I got on stage at an open mic one night and got a couple chuckles and I thought, that's it. This is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, man. This you is were it. Hooked. And then, yeah, I was hooked. And then when I went on and got my degree in philosophy and, and started really working that stuff in, it's just been, it's just been glorious. It's been an absolute joy, you know? Were your professors at the time you got the degree in philosophy, were they aware of your pending career as a stand up as well? Or did you kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. Keep like I said, I was already, when I, by the time I got my degree, I'd already been doing stand up for about, about over 15 years. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. So I'd been, so I'd been doing stand up, but I'd been studying philosophy just kind of on my own. And then when I finally decided to go back and get my degree and get into philosophy, it was, uh, at first, I, 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 I kind of wanted to mix the two, but I wasn't sure quite how to go about doing it. And then once I got really into the degree, I realized it's all comedy fodder. <laughs> all of all of it's ridiculous. Gee. And I just wanted to share it with everybody how, how ridiculous philosophy is, especially nowadays. Well, yes, and philosophy and comedy are both in danger when you get people that want to censor you, so philosophical ideas can be dangerous and comedic ideas can be dangerous. So you're a double threat. Yes. In that sense. I want to compliment you because I just did some quick research 
when you mentioned that your wife, Teresa, had suggested that you should go on and become a stand-up comedian, I just did some quick research and found out that you are the only man in North America that actually listened to his wife's advice. <laughs> so congratulations. And well, you, know, they, I, I, you know, when people ask me for marital advice, I tell them, just agree with her on everything. <laughs> that way, if it works out, you're a supporting and kind and wise husband. And if it fails, well, you can just say, hey, I trusted you and it's all your fault. So, <laughs> you know, you're, you win-win. Exactly. You were on the comedy festival circuit, too. You got you received an award back, I believe, in, in Rhode Island. Is that right? Yeah, one. Uh, it's yeah. Most of these festivals have competitions that go along with them, and yeah, that was one of the ones that I won. I've competed in many, but I actually won that one. So well, that's that good. was fun. What do you do? What do you do with people that, or audiences, really, that don't quite know to use a cliche where you're coming from? In other words, you come out on stage and you're hilarious, but some people look at you and go, "Who is that guy?" That's a combination of Irwin Corey and Gabby Hayes. Oh, I just, uh, you know what? As they say, never, uh, never explain the joke, never explain what's going on. If they don't get it, they don't get it. You know, there's just, you just have to deal with the fact that there's just stupid people in the world <laughs> who don't get it. And instead of beating yourself up and feeling bad about it, you feel bad for them and move on with your life. I must, I must have a lot of stupid guests because I always find myself explaining and telling them, well, that was a joke, what I just said, because they weren't laughing. So that's a defect in me. I'll have to, I'll take your advice and just keep going, you know, with the thing. So that's okay. One of the things you say in, and if you go to your, the website, uh, rodneynorman.com, you have a blog post there about the concept of your nothing special. Can you share that with our audience? Why that oh, some people, sure. some people, yes, some people is- interpret it as positive and some people interpret it as negative. And I'm going to shut up and let you explain it. Well, you know, back back when the whole kerfuffle started and we all are sitting at home and everybody's thinking it's the end of the world and everybody's lives are falling apart and, you know, nobody's even going to work and all the terrible things that were going on, I just decided to make a video telling people, say, hey, look, I know life is terrible. I know you, you, you don't have enough money and things and you're scared and you're confused, but when it really comes down to it, you're nothing special. We're all going through it. We're all experiencing difficulties. And that's, that's where, that's really what it was. It's just, I, I was just explaining that you're not being singled out by the universe. We're, we're all going through all this together. We're all, we all experience difficulties. We all have trials in life. Nobody has a, a perfect sailing through any of this. And, and if you do, if you have a perfect sailing, you have nothing to be worried about. You usually turn out to be a real turd of a human being because you don't have any adversity. You don't have any struggles or trials. Mm-hmm. And that turns you into a horrible monster. Uh, so embrace the fact that your life isn't perfect. Embrace the fact that you have difficulties and struggles and that you have to work hard for your, for, for your life. And that was, that's what it was about. Just, you know, and, and a lot of it is just, you know, surrendering your pride, surrendering your ego and just saying, look, I'm, I'm nothing special. I'm just one of another 9 million human beings on this planet. And I'm just going to uh, live my life and be as happy as I can and help others do the same. And that's the message. And some people are like, oh, you're some sort of weird hippie. Most of the people who disagree with the statement get mad at me or people who did, never actually watched the video or read the blog. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't care. You know, that's their problem, not mine. It's interesting. People, yeah, they, they interpret what they want based on what you're communicating. And that's why you felt the need to, well, in this case, you did explain, as opposed to not ever explaining a joke or saying that was a joke, you're explaining what, you're, what you meant in terms of that you're nothing special because we're all the same and we all deal yeah. with health issues. As you can tell in my voice, which has been gone for a couple of days, so my audience will understand. But whether it's health issues, finances, relationships, whatever, everybody goes through the same. So if you're human, which we all are, then fine. And if you're perfect, then there's something almost inhuman in a way, because how do you relate? There's no empathy. There's no relating to other people. Yeah, exactly. So, the, you know, I've, I've, I grew up going to high school at a school that was very, a lot, a lot of rich kids in it. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to look at them and go, oh, they've got such an advantage and they're going to have so much better life. And a lot of them, a lot of them to have, you know, a lot of them were able to go on to really expensive colleges and have great careers and, and, and such. But I also saw a lot of them uh, went into drugs and alcohol very early on. They never felt like anything they accomplished was uh, worth anything because everything was handed to them, you know. So I I I, I saw that, and it was just it was kind of kind kind of bewildering to me. It's like, wow, you got everything that you could ever want and hope for, and you know, kids would drive Maseratis and Ferraris to school, and then uh, you know, ten years later, find out that they're you know an assistant manager at a pizza place somewhere in Peoria and, <laughs> and it cut out of their family because they're a complete disaster of a human being. I mean, it's, you know, you hear about that kind of stuff and it's sad, you know, that they were given such a great opportunity to start the life and then they did nothing with it. And then there's others who had absolutely nothing, who had even less than what I had and they're even more successful than I am. And, and it's, um, not that I'm successful, but it, it's just life is just such a grab bag. It's just you, you don't know. Just, you should just just as I, as I like to just tell people, just enjoy whatever it is that you've got. Right. Just deal with it. Be happy with what you have. You know, I I, I tell people, you know, set happiness and make happiness your reset. You know, that regardless of whatever happens in life, just come back to just. Just you're still you're still here. You're still exist. You're right. still you're still moving along. You can still do something with yourself that you that should make you happy. And you know you you don't have to be you know everything doesn't have to be puppies and rainbows all the time. Um, if you did, you get tired of puppies and rainbows. You need a variety. Enjoy the variety. Enjoy the setbacks. Enjoy the 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 and uh, you know and when you have a, a victories. Celebrate them, celebrate and enjoy them, but don't become consumed by all of this stuff. Don't don't let don't let the good stuff go to your head. And don't let the bad stuff drag you down. That's basic and great. Do you think that part of it is due to the amount of media we have and the messages from media that just, especially on the advertising side, but even on programming, that there's this artificial construct of what we need or should be to be happy? instead of just living our lives? Oh, absolutely. You know, everything is you have to, you have to have uh, the most expensive car. You have to wear the fanciest clothes. You have to be seen in the right places and go to the right parties and all this 
uh, nonsense. I mean, look at all the stuff. Think about stuff that was important and valuable 40 years ago. All those mansions uh, that I, the kids grew up now, they've all, most of them I drive through and it's, they're dilapidated. They've been torn down. The, it, it, they're just not what they were, you know, stuff requires constant uh, attention. You know, I've seen cars all the time that, you know, were really expensive, you know, uh, back then. Now they're just, you know, rust buckets in the back of mm-hmm. somebody's yard. And, I, you know, all this stuff deteriorates, all this stuff, just, it's just stuff. And it just, no matter how much money or whatever it costs, it all is going to deteriorate and fall apart. And it's all temporary. And when you see it that way, you realize that putting your heart and soul into all this stuff doesn't doesn't get you anywhere. And nobody's really impressed. Because all the people who would be impressed are only impressed because they're trying to also impress everybody with their stuff. So they're only impressed by the stuff that you have so that they can get it so they can impress other people. And so you're just trying to impress people who are always trying to impress other people. And so you never really impress anybody because the people – that you think are uh, impressed aren't impressed because they're worried about, uh, you know, paying their bills so they could care less what uh, fancy car or clothes you got. And then the people with the fancy clothes and cars, well, they're just, they're, they're only just thinking, well, I need to go get a fancier uh, car, more expensive clothes than that guy. So it's just this horrible uh, frenzy of stupidity. And when you finally put yourself out of it and go, oh, none of this stuff matters. It's I'm just going to start enjoying myself. Man, life becomes a whole lot more enjoyable. I was just thinking a, a great bumper sticker version of what you just said and going back 40 years would be that slogan of keeping up with the Joneses. That That's what makes you yeah. miserable, in essence. Everybody tries to yeah, when, be when, better than the next, you know, be keeping up with what the neighbors are doing instead of what you're doing. Yeah, when you find out the Joneses are, uh, uh, two, uh, you know, $30 million in debt. They got a hor- uh, horrible uh, life that none of them have any real kind of a career. <laughs> Their kids are all turds, <laughs> drugs and alcohol addictions. Um, uh, you know, when you, when you realize, oh, wow, I'm trying to keep up with people who can't even keep up with themselves. What what am I doing? <laughs> exactly. I wanted to, to talk a little bit about Leonard, the world's worst motivational speaker. How often does he come yes. out and about? Uh, how often is he around and uh, and giving speeches and stuff? Well, it's um, I would I would like for him to do more. I mean the 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 concept he's based on my grandfather who was an alcoholic, and and he would he would always tell these he would get kind of you know he was always half sloshed, <laughs> and he would tell me and my cousin all these stories and give us advice in life and. And he was just sort of just this discombobulated, you know, uh, meandering. And then every once in a while, he would just say something that was purely brilliant. And I thought one day I, I just I, I wanted to do something with this, you know, with that him as a character. And then I was watching a friend of mine who was a, a life a life coach on Instagram. And he would always post these really positive messages, but nobody was watching. Nobody, nobody really giving him any attention, but he was, he was plugging away at it. And he did one message one day where he said, you know, you feel like maybe you don't deserve to be successful. Well, I'm telling you, you deserve it. And I'm giving you permission to be happy. And 
permission to pursue your dream because you deserve it. And, and it just kind of made me laugh. And, uh, and that's when it just hit me. I was like, that's it. My drunk grandfather is the world's worst life coach. <laughs> and so that's when I started doing videos as, as, as him. And then he's, and, and, and Leonard's kind of taken on his own thing. He's not an exact duplicate of my grandfather, but, but you know, that was kind of the impetus to get it going. And, uh, I would like for Leonard to do TED talks and, you know, do motivational, uh, speaking. He pops up in my actor once in a while. And, uh, well, if people go to rodneynorman.com, they can find out more about Leonard too and book him for a presentation, maybe at a TED talk or a TED plus. Oh, talk. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. When you're coming to Las Vegas, do you change your, I'll, I'll call it presentation rather than act, do you change your presentation at all from city to city or venue to venue? Do you incorporate some of Las Vegas's idiosyncrasies when you're here? How does that work for you as a performer? I've done, I've, I've done a few Las Vegas jokes, but usually the guys who open for me are all locals and they usually do all the local jokes, so I don't bother. Plus, you have Vegas, you have so many people from all over the place that, you know, it gets to the point where it's just, why bother? Yeah, no, I got you. you know. So, no, I'm, I, and my, my act is, you know, it's always changing. I'm adding new stuff all the time, new characters, and what is it, a lot of fun. Is the reaction of the audience the same? Because I've, I've watched you perform in a couple of situations, and they, you, you walk out and they start laughing before you've said anything. I'm going to keep it vague like that just for people who have not seen you yet perform or um, seen you at all. Yes. You know, one, one thing I learned from uh, watching uh, Jonathan Winters and uh, Robin Williams and uh, Bob Newhart was learning how to work an audience without saying anything. And that's just one, uh, one of the things that I just enjoy playing around with is getting – I've I've had people say I I'm laughing at you and I don't know why <laughs> and uh, and I know why I'm just not going to explain it. It's but, almost uh, I think they call it a working the silence in a sense or working the silence as that you're comfortable yeah, yeah, in yeah, terms of that. Uh, Jack Benny was comfortable in those silences and the pauses and uh, making and getting people to laugh too. So you're you come you come from a great tradition of performance. Oh well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's a, that's yeah. Important. The old old school comedy was very different than what you had. You know, now it's all so in your face and fast paced, and and I really I want to take it back to you know not do old jokes, but the the, the old style, the way you know the way the old performance, you know, the, where it was a performance. It wasn't just a guy pontificating about everything else that everybody else is pontificating about. You know, I like to just uh, get get the people away from the world for a little, little bit. I don't want to talk about everything that everybody else is talking about. I want to just, you come, you sit and watch the show and just walk away just feeling better about your life. Nothing wrong if with nothing that. nothing else, just, yeah. you know, after you, you stare at me for an hour, you feel a lot better about who you are. <laughs> Another description I think that could apply to you is a little bit of a... Um, Unkempt Colonel Sanders. How about that? That might be another possible <laughs> description yeah. of you. Well, you know, in, in this world where everybody's so obsessed to how they look and sound, 
Um, I, I just want to blow that all, uh, blow that all away. It's like, uh, you know, here comes along this guy who doesn't care what he looks like, doesn't care what he sounds like, doesn't care if he comes across like an idiot and he's still doing it and putting himself out there. I hope that's an inspiration that people realize, Hey, I don't have to be perfect. Things don't have to be exactly right to, uh, you know, make a video and share my thoughts and create some art, even though it's not perfect. You know, that's what I want to inspire to do is people, you know, stop letting perfection hold you back. Stop letting this idea of one day I'll do it. Someday I'll do it. Do it now, right? You got time now. You want to learn how to play the guitar? Pick up one chord, strum for five, five minutes. You know, that's how you start. You just build it one, one at a time. You want to paint? Buy some paint, buy some canvas. They're not that cheap. They're not that expensive. You can get them at Walmart pretty cheap, you know, 20, 30 bucks and you can start making paintings. Who cares if it looks good or not? Go look at an art gallery. You'll realize that our uh, talent isn't a requirement. A lot of us just doing it. And if you go to a Walmart, you see Rodney, he'll open the door for you there. Yes, it will. Probably, I might be the greeter. Exactly. Well, that's a, a little reference uh, to one of your uh, observations uh, <laughs> about Walmart. Yeah. The, you, you, you shared a lot of words of wisdom with us today. We have a couple of minutes left. I wanted. I was curious about, because you're so unique, do you ever look at your audience and figure out where they're coming from, either demographically or in some other way that you can, not that you want to target them exactly because it goes against your philosophy, but do you have a wide range of people that come to see you when you, when you check out your audience? I guess what I'm saying is when you check out your audiences, are they coming from all kinds of walks of life to see oh, you? Oh, yeah. You know, I had, I had one day, I, I ran into this family um, who recognized me and the father and the mother were there and they had three kids with them. And a 14-year-old boy, a nine-year-old, and a six-year-old, six I believe. And the, the kids, uh, the two younger ones were just staring at me in complete disbelief. Like, <laughs> they, they, you know, the 14-year-old, he came across like he was just bored, like, oh, I can't believe my parents are doing this. And the parents are telling me, say, hey, we love you. We love your video. We like that we can share our videos with, with our kids. and. Well, the kids will watch the videos and we'll talk about what you're saying and, and you teach the, you know, these lessons and it's funny and it's just, we just really appreciate you. Is there any way we could get a, a picture with you? And I'm like, Oh, sure. And so, uh, as we were getting in position to take the picture, the 14 year old boy looks at me and goes, I'm really sorry. I'm very nervous because I've never been around somebody famous before. And, uh, uh, or, yeah, he's the first time I've ever met a celebrity. And it struck me weird because I'm just like, I'm, look, I'm not a celebrity. You know, my you, you get that humble thing. It's like, oh, like I'm not that famous, you know, because, uh, yeah, OK, a bunch of people see my videos on the Internet. That doesn't mean I'm famous, you know. <laughs> but it just struck me that at that moment that like this was a big moment for this kid. And uh and I thought, I'm not going to take that away from him. So I just said, well, you're, hand you're doing a great job. I want you to know I'm a little nervous, too, because it's the first time I've met you. And uh, good laugh, and we got the picture. And and, and, and then there was another uh, time I was up in Idaho, and 
there was a teacher who uses my videos every morning as, you know, well, he, he, he would always have like an inspirational message for them to, for the day. And he often uses my videos as to start the day, you know, here's your inspirational message for today. So the kids knew who I was. And when I was in town doing a show, I dropped by that class and spent some time with them. And, and every one of them came up to me. We got pictures and I signed everything and anything. I was signing shoes and backpacks and uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, they were just, they were just beside themselves that, you know, the small town in Idaho has this big celebrity. And that was crazy. And, but yeah, and it's all ages. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And that's part of my design. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I keep the videos so that they are, you know, that you can share them at work, that you can share them with anybody and not feel embarrassed by the content or the language. And that's, and that's just a lot of just me. I'm just not a profane person. You know, I'm just, I just don't use that kind of language all that often. I mean, I curse when I'm upset, but it's just not part of my regular vernacular. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. But yeah, part of it, you know, like I said, I just, I just want to just spread some little positivity and a little joy and happiness in this world and uh, do it without having to drop an F-bomb every, every two words. <laughs> well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Rodney Norman, comedian, philosopher, Joy Sparker, friend and the purveyor of positivity. And he's performing this Friday and Saturday, September 1st and 2nd at Wise Guys Comedy in the Arts District of downtown Las Vegas for ticket information. Go to wiseguyscomedy.com. And for everything about Rodney Norman, including those videos we were talking about, go to rodneynorman.com. And you can follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And Rodney, thanks for being on the show. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Happy Las Vegas!